Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Harbin of the Steel Curtain Network as a part of Fans First Sports Network. We are going to have a lot more news on that coming up in the coming days. We have a launch coming up. I'm excited for that. If you're a sports fan, not just a Steelers fan, if you love just the NFL, if you love different sports teams, man, we're going to have something for everyone. Fans First Sports Network. Folks, it's exciting. I'm excited for it, and you should be excited. Just like you should be excited about the Steelers, they are still making moves. The free agent frenzy continues. That's the te- the title, the headline, the main focus of this podcast. In the second half, we do have Jeremy Jerome Betts coming on. And again, another scheduling conflict has us record earlier than normal. And one of the things with Jeremy is we were talking about the Steelers not being able to really address the safety position or the need to address the safety position. And they kind of did that in between the fact, the time that I recorded that segment and this being recorded. So it's crazy how these these offseason deals have kind of come together. It's crazy the timing of some of these. You, Mike Tomlin, I just did a show on Wednesday talking about how you got to listen to what he's saying in some instances, and sometimes you just have to brush it under the rug. He said, look, there's still free agent safeties out there that we're looking at, and we're going to make some moves, and they did. That's the big news. Before we get to the newest players, I do want to say, you know, I was sitting at my computer, and this was Thursday morning, and I don't know what made me think about it. I was like, man, what the hell happened with Bud Dupree? You know, Bud Dupree was supposed to come to Pittsburgh, and that was last Friday, I believe. Maybe it was last Thursday, I'm trying to remember. Jeremy Fowler of ESPN was the one that put out the news that Bud Dupree had visited the Steelers, and I'm thinking, man, that would be a great addition. That would be a great depth piece at the outside linebacker. It didn't work with Melvin Ingram, but it maybe it could work with you know Bud Dupree. We'll see. But come to find out, as I wrote an article called "Where is Where in the World is Bud Dupree?" Kind of reminded me of "Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego." For those that are old enough, you probably remember that show. And I just wrote it about how you know no one knows kind of what happened. Everyone saw him come in, or what is purportedly that he came in, but he did. He left without a contract, so it was just kind of crazy that around midday on Thursday. News broke that that was a false report, that Jeremy Fowler got some bad intel that, in fact, Bud Dupree, and they know this because he put it on his Instagram story, was in Pittsburgh and officially hosted by the Steelers on Thursday. So it wasn't last week. It was Thursday. It was yesterday. So in that regard, it's like, well, oh, where in the world is Bud Dupree? There he is. He's in Pittsburgh. Now, Mark Cavalli said something that every Steeler fan should know, and that is the basic fact that if the Steelers host a free agent and the guy leaves without a deal, it is rare that a deal is getting done. Whether it is they didn't like the medicals. So in Bud Dupree's case, he's been banged up. We all know he tore his ACL before leaving Pittsburgh. He's been dealing with several injuries since he got went to Tennessee. Maybe they didn't like his medicals. Maybe there was an injury. They think that he might be limited early on in the season. I don't know. Maybe it was financials. Maybe it was something where Bud Dupree said, Look, I'm looking for this much money. Y'all know what I can do. It's it's this or I'm going to go looking elsewhere. Steelers might say, hey, here's, here's the max we're willing to offer. If you think you can get better somewhere else, then go. Good luck. That could be an issue as well. Or maybe it's the role, the role on the team. You know, it didn't fit with Melvin Ingram. 
Malik Reed couldn't do anything with it last season. But that third rotational pass rusher is an, is an important piece for the Steelers' defense, especially in a year coming off of, uh, coming off a season when T.J. Watt was missed for so long. You know, that, that pectoral injury, he also got his knee cleaned up during that time. That, that third rotational piece is important in the Steelers' defense. And so maybe it's one of those things. Maybe it's two. Maybe it's all three. I don't know. Nonetheless, Bud Dupree, it seems like, at least at the time of this is being recorded, which is you know, Thursday evening, that he left without a deal. And that means that who knows if he's going to sign. He They could still double back. He could go out and, and see what else is out there. And he might end up coming back to Pittsburgh and saying, you know what? I thought I was going to get another deal. I thought I was going to get more money. thought I would get a starter, make a chance to be a starter again. And it didn't come to fruition. I'd love to come back to Pittsburgh, even if it's on a one-year prove-a-deal I'd love to come back. So it's still an option, but as of right now, Bud Dupree came, he visited, and he left without a deal. Now, then, all of a sudden, randomly out of nowhere, Thursday, probably late afternoon, evening, it's reported that Keanu Neal, the safety, that the Steelers are nearing a deal with this guy. Now, I had seen that Keanu Neal had visited a couple teams, and so I had kind of mentally crossed him off my list of players that could be available to help fill that role with Terrell Edmonds now being a part of the Philadelphia Eagles. Come to find out, and this comes from his agent, this is Keanu Neal's agent, that he signed a deal. That's David Cantor of GSE Worldwide. He is the agent of Keanu Neal. He reports that, hey, congratulations to Keanu Neal on agreeing to terms on a new two-year deal to join the Steelers. That's awesome. So what do we know about Neal? Well, Neal played his first five seasons with the Atlanta Falcons, some of which... He was teammates with DeMonte Casey in the secondary, and he had two seasons which were marred by injury, 2018-2019. But other than that, he pretty much played a good majority of those seasons. After the 2020 season, Neil went to the Dallas Cowboys for one season, and then in 2021, he played for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in a part-time role, meaning he did not he was not a full-time starter. In his career, here are some stats to know about Keanu Neal. He has three interceptions, 20 pass defenses, eight forced fumbles, four fumble recoveries, two and a half sacks, and 473 combined tackles. So, in other words, in case you haven't figured it out yet, Keanu Neal is known for his play around the line of scrimmage. He is a box safety. Now, one of the listeners of the program, and he has my personal cell phone number. He sends me a text and says, this is one of the reasons why they signed Keanu Neal. So he looked at Neal in 2022 compared to Terrell Edmonds in 2022. Now Neal's 27, Edmonds is 26. Games played last year, Keanu Neal played in all 17. Edmonds played in 15. Uh, Last season, total tackles, 63 for Neal, 70 for Edmonds. They both had 41 solo tackles. Assisted tackles, Edmonds had 29 to Neal's 22. Terrell Edmonds had two sacks to Keanu Neal's half. Neither had a forced fumble, fumble recovery, or anything like that, but Keanu Neal did have an interception where Terrell Edmonds didn't. What am I trying to tell you there, or the, the loyal listener that sent me that information? They're very similar They're very similar players. So the Steelers get that safety, that box safety, and the hope is that he's going to be able to fill that role that Terrell Edmonds vacated when he decided to take that one-year deal with Philadelphia. But that that wasn't it. 
Keanu Neal was not the only addition on Thursday evening. The Steelers, and we didn't even know this as a fan base, we knew about the Keanu Neal rumor, had no idea about this, and that is Braden Fihoko. I hope I said that correctly. I think I did. A defensive tackle or nose tackle. Again, David Cantor is his agent. Says congratulations to agreeing on terms with the Steelers. So what do we know about him? He was undrafted out of LSU in 2020. Fahoko spent his entire NFL career with the L.A. Chargers, mostly on the practice squad. He's listed as a nose tackle by Pro Football Reference, and he has 19 career games in three seasons with four starts. Over the last two seasons, Fahoko has 36 tackles, with one being for a loss. Additionally, he had three tackles in the Chargers' 2022 postseason game. He joins a defensive line room, which already has seven players ahead of the 2023 NFL Draft. He's listed at 6'2", 295 pounds. So what does this all mean? That's a question. I might have an answer. You know, if you think back to last, I think it was last Friday's show, I kind of wailed on about how I was upset and concerned about the Steelers' defense. I talked about the defensive front and how there's no depth about inside linebacker, no depth, outside linebacker. You get where I'm going with this. Well, the addition of Keanu Neal and Fahoko absolutely address some of those concerns. Do they address all of them? No. Some of them, absolutely. When you think about a player like Fahoko, it's it's competition. It's another body. You're not going into the draft just relying on Isaiah Loudermilk, DeMarvin Leal, and players like that. When you think about Keanu Neal, now it gives them the ability to not have to reach for a safety. They have a guy who can do the same thing Terrell Edmonds did. It can allow Minka Fitzpatrick to kind of do his thing roaming the middle of the field, and we know what DeMonte KZ can bring to the back half. This is a very intelligent move by the Steelers organization. We'll give a tip of the cap to Omar Khan, Andy Weedle, and Mike Tomlin for this. Great job. They're not, they shouldn't be done yet. If they can get Dupree in the fold, that would be a very, very big help for the Pittsburgh Steelers defense and to address a lot of those issues along in or within the defense. So it'll be interesting to see how these two additions of Neil and Fahoko might change or adjust the Steelers' approach to the NFL draft. It'll be interesting to see what they do. Again, we we as fans should realize what the Steelers are trying to do right now. They are trying to go through and check off every box that could even be potentially listed as a need before the draft. So they've done that in a lot of ways. Offensive guards, uh, you talk about the, the depth they have there now. You talk about on the defensive side now with safety, the defensive line. They're building up the depth. They change the inside linebacker room. They're doing it. Might not be the way that everyone likes it, and I think it's safe to say that the Steelers are, are definitely tweaking some of the things that they do with their defense and things of that nature. So keep your lookout for more news. We're going to have everything for you right here on the Steel Curtain Network as well as BehindTheSteelCurtain.com because that website still exists, by the way. So in the second half of the show, I'm going to be talking a lot of NFL draft with Jeremy Jerome Betts, and make sure you stay till the very end for a very Major League Baseball-focused heart-to-heart. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Hey, 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, Steeler fans, it is Friday. It's the second half of the Let's Ride podcast, which means it's time for the All Bets Are Off segment with Jeremy Jerome Betts. What's up, Jeremy? How's it going? It's going great, Jeff. Glad to be on for another show. Yeah, man. And last week, you know, we kind of jumped the gun. We had recorded early. We talked a lot about Earl Edmonds. And by the time the show aired, he had already signed. Yeah. I didn't get your reaction to the signing in and of itself. Uh, probably you listened to the Monday show where I was had Brandon Lee Gouton on, got a little bit of a perspective from mm-hmm. the Eagle side of things and why they wanted Terrell Edmonds. What were your thoughts, though, when Edmonds did officially sign with the Philadelphia Eagles on a one-year, very cheap deal? Yeah, um, you know, I was I was really hoping, and you can go back to the Steelers fix where I talked with uh, Andrew about some of the other signings, um, especially a linebacker and how it just seemed natural that the Steelers would want to bring Terrell Edmonds back to the team to be that box safety, be give you some speed and coverage ability um, around the line of scrimmage, which he has done a fantastic job of uh, as the, the Steelers' strong safety the last few years, and it sounds more like that the Steelers offered him a deal and he was just ready to maybe uh, find greener pastures, which is exactly what he did by going to uh, the green and white Philadelphia Eagles. And um, so, I I mean, I wish him the best, obviously Uh, where I think the Steelers are going to be lacking a, a stability piece on the back end uh, unless they can replace him, which they haven't done to this point. Um, So I'm, I'm very intrigued uh, as to what the Steelers plan is now because um, they're kind of shoehorning themselves into having to draft a safety at this point, unless they can maybe address strong safety in a free agency. And there's not many options this year, Jeff, in either uh, situation free agency or the draft for, for true strong safeties. You think maybe they're out thinking all of us and that they're looking at someone like the, uh, who's the inside linebacker from Clemson. Uh, really Trenton fast. Simpson, yeah. 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 That maybe he could do some of the things that Terrell Edmonds did. If that was one of their picks, yeah. you think maybe that's a, a possibility that not a lot of people are talking about right now. Absolutely. Jeff, I, I pray and hope that they're out thinking us on all this <laughs> because, uh, if that's the case, they're in good shape and, and they should be the ones running the organization, not us. So that's a, that's a good situation to be in. I, I expect them to have a plan. Um, and to implement it and and get uh, somebody in place and if that happens to be we're going to uh spend some picks on um a guy like trenton simpson uh who has that sideline to sideline uh, ability maybe a dorian williams out of tulane um with that same type of of skill set and range at the linebacker position maybe that's a, a direction they can go um i think it's going to be one of those things where um, they're going to use multiple people probably to replace what Terrell Edmonds did in the defense. 
but we're also seeing kind of a, a philosophy shift on defense and we'll see how far the Steelers take that. So it's going to be interesting to follow. Speaking of a philosophy shift, this is a question that's more about like on, on draft day. Mm. This is something I was going to write an article about, but I honestly, I just didn't know how it was going to be structured. I ended up scrapping it, but I was like, I'm going to bring it up with Jeremy and see what he thinks. We talk about trade options all the time at the draft. And this right. year, everyone's size, oh, Mark Conn going to trade up. Is he going to trade back? Well, they don't trade back a lot, but it, they have traded up all this. Everyone always has that, that type of dialogue around this time. Right. Do you think that there's a realistic option that the Steelers could, if they make a trade, it could be a, a not just picks, but also a player involved. I E if they have, a, if there's a team that has a safety, the Steelers covet that they might say, Hey, we'll trade back. You you'll get the 17th pick. We'll trade back to 25 and we'll get this player. Do you like those type yeah. of deals? Or do you think that they should just stay away from that? Stick to the norm. I I would say stay away from player deals unless you're you're really really upgrading the the position, in which case most teams are are probably not gonna give up draft capital and a player to you. Um, I mean unless they're really just wanting to move up, they've got their sights set on somebody. But at seventeen, I don't know if that's gonna be the case. And then at thirty two, you're you're talking about yeah, all these teams might try to come up in the draft here and 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 select that their favorite guy at pick 32 but it's going to be it's going to be a very interesting draft just from the talent that's available and i think the steelers are not in the best position in the first round uh, you'd you'd rather them be picking in the mid to late 20s or uh in the top 10 in this particular draft cuz it just kind of falls off a cliff there um as far as the first round the true first round talents in the draft. But when you're talking about the Steelers making moves, I would be all for a move back into the twenties. I just don't know if, if uh, specifically adding a player in that process, I don't know if it's even feasible, but if it is, you know, what type of player are you getting? Is it, is it a starting player, like a, a true upgrade player, or is it somebody that's just, uh, maybe filling a temporary roster spot that you're going to try to fill with that draft pick yeah. anyway. So uh, just my thoughts on it are, um, you know, if you're going to trade draft picks for a player, uh, go get that major upgrade like they did with Minka Fitzpatrick. In yeah, no, yeah, you're right. You're right. And, and speaking of trades, I, I want to go back to the Steelers Fix podcast. I, I tell everyone to go back and listen to that one on Tuesday at noon. They went over Andrew Wilbar's uh, his 3.0 mock draft, which does have mm -hmm. the Steelers trading. I actually loved the trade that he was able to orchestrate. Yes. Take that for what it's worth because, you know, <laughs> there's we can, we as, yeah. as writers or draft Knicks, that's not me, but that's Andrew, <laughs> can sit there and be like, oh, yeah, I'll make this trade. That doesn't mean the New York Giants want to move up to 17 that bad and want to give up that capital. Nonetheless, right. I want to get your thoughts about mock drafts. You know, we've been covering a lot of them on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. I've been covering a lot of them. We have a lot of them ourselves. I mentioned Andrews. Uh, we'll have some more, I'm sure, well before the draft is done. It's really starting to heat up right now. It is, absolutely. And you have all these people, like, for instance, uh, Reed of ESPN gave put a, a complete seven-round mock yeah. draft together, 259 <laughs> picks. Like, that's insane. I think personally Insanity. that it is so difficult to even predict, predict or project one round, and that's only 31 picks, let alone seven. 
when you look at someone like that that does that, what are what do you take away from that? Because I think there is something to be said about the process of looking at a seven round complete mock yeah. draft, taking something from it. If you're giving advice to the listeners out there that might be looking at that mock draft saying this is really overwhelming, what should they be focusing on? Yeah, I think when you get into the big ones like that, you're you're talking about um somebody probably outside of the first couple rounds where where you really know the players um you know for maybe like if you if you look at his mock draft specifically i believe through the first 3 rounds he gave descriptions for e- or like a little blurb for each yeah. of the players that were selected and then after that it, it um was just the selections now obviously probably not going to uh, write a full blurb for all 250 or whatever selections but um Point being that once you get into the fourth round, fifth round, sixth round, seventh round, I think, you know, and I, I'm sure if you ask Andrew Wilbar this, he's probably doing the same thing. I know when I've done something similar, even into the like just a four round mock draft or something like that, you're start, starting to look at, man, what do these teams need and who are some players that um, could fit that have the potential to go in this range or kind of graded in this range. And then if you know any inside information, like, Oh, this coach um, is from this area, and and he probably has a little bit deeper knowledge of the guys from this area. Maybe you throw in uh, something like that, but I think for the most part, you're getting a guy who obviously has done his research in, in doing seven a seven round mock draft. But you know, once you get to these later picks, it's it's more throwing darts at at players who um, kind of fit positions of need that you haven't addressed yet with a major name and so i would i take it with a grain of salt obviously all of these things because nobody's going to be able to really predict the whole draft or even the first round because he had no trades or anything like that involved in his so um for us as fans i think mock drafts have a have a purpose and a place and i think it's to help you know the average fan to see you know what what are these or which players are kind of uh, getting talked about in this first round, second round, third round circles. And then after that, you just got to trust the team to make the right picks based on their research and, and their core of guys that are, are, are bringing in the information that they need to draft. You know, the mock go ahead. Are you done? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So mock drafts, I think have, they do have a place. People hate them. I, and there's a lot of people, you know, on what Yen's talking about, uh, which <laughs> you can hear that show every Thursday at noon, and they love to make fun and poke fun at mock drafts. But you know what? The thing is, is that for someone like Mel Kuyper, who probably gets ripped on the, more than any other person out there that does, but that has legitimacy, mind you, that does right. mock drafts. Like, when was the last time Kuyper was right? This just putting his reputation out, out there. He's giving his honest predictions for how he thinks it's going to happen. What I look for, and I might be way out of left field, but what I always look for, because what I see in the mock drafts is also what you do see happen on draft night, and that is positional runs. It always happens. So you always know the first position. If it's a loaded class, the first position that there's runs on is quarterback. Everyone needs a quarterback. They're going to move up to get it. They're going to get their guy. They're going to make moves, do whatever they have to do to get that. So that's always the first run. 2022 was an anomaly because they just it wasn't that great of a quarterback class. Right. My question for you is when you look at this group and I've been following this a lot with all these mock drafts that I've written, 
which position do you think will go on a run after the quarterback? So we're talking about mm-hmm. your CJ Stroud, your Bryce Young, your Anthony Richardson, and, and even Levis from Kentucky. Once they're all gone or yeah. even remotely, there's a couple positions that could go on runs. What do you think's next? I think it's offensive tackle. Um, so before corner. Yeah, I do. Okay. Uh, I think the the upper tier offensive tackles have separated themselves um, in the discussion from the rest of the of the class. So when you're talking cornerback, you're talking um, like I was I was listening to the um, uh, the athletic football show, and I've listened to several episodes. I don't remember exactly which one it, it is, but they're talking about how some teams have um, top three uh, round grades on like 12 or 15 cornerbacks in this class. And there there's nothing even close to that as far as offensive tackle. So you get your top three, your big three, your Paris Johnson Jr., your uh, Peter Skoronsky, and your, um, your uh, Broderick Jones out of Georgia. Uh, after those three, you're looking at some guys who are really good right tackles in uh, Darnell Wright and um, – the other guy from the other kid from Ohio state, uh, Dewan Jones. Uh, so you, you've got some guys that are good high end prospects, but probably aren't going to, aren't going to push the needle in the, in the beginning of the first round. So I think the first run you're going to see is those three tackles go quick, uh, because the teams that are, are needing them are kind of stockpiled around that nine, 10, 11, 12 range. And they're going to, they're going to suck those guys up real quick. So the way that I think about this, and you brought it up about how the Steelers being picked 17 is kind of like no man's land. Mm. Yes and no, because if you think about it, those quarterbacks go first, like we all predict they will. And if there is a run on the offensive tackles afterwards, then you think about how deep this cornerback class is. If that's the avenue the Steelers want to go down, one should be available. And that's when um, I think it was Tannenbaum put out his mock draft on ESPN, his GM mock draft and uh, Devin with Devon or Deva Devin Witherspoon, however you say his name Uh, from Illinois. He was actually the Steelers pick because he had um, Christian Gonzalez go first. Then Joey Porter jr. Was off the board because all the tackles went Witherspoon was available. And I was like, I would love it. I would love that. pick, hundred percent. But if it, it, I also see that something could happen if it's different, if it's flip flopped, if all of a sudden these cornerback needy teams say, "Oh crap, here we go," Christian right. Gonzalez goes off the board, Joey Porter Jr.'s next. Could those offensive tackles start to fall? And then you have a situation where at seventeen, maybe the Steelers are faced with having, I don't know about uh, Skaronsky from Northwestern, but right. you know maybe one of those better. Uh, who's the guy from Georgia? I'm still learning these guys' names. Yeah, Broderick Jones from Georgia. Yeah, maybe he's the guy that is near 17 and the Steelers might have a shot with him. I think that the Steelers, based on those runs, and that's something I've always been fascinated with, always been fascinated with the runs because it does happen. And if you look at mock drafts in that regard, the way that I do, you just kind of get a feel for what these experts think. And in this case, Jeremy gave his opinion. He thinks it's going to go to offensive tackle. That makes sense. My next question is, though, do you think that all those quarterbacks that I named all those, you know, we're talking about Richardson, Stroud, yeah. Young, and Levis will all go in the top 10. Um, I'm going to kind of depart from uh, the norm and what you're seeing in most cases. I'm going to say that uh, Levis actually does not go in the top 10. And 
I'm going to say he doesn't go until the 20s uh, at the very earliest in this draft. I think his stock is is really tumbling. You've got some other guys' um, stock that is rising. Maybe not necessarily over him, but I think you're going to see um, teams not panic uh, on on Will Levis because of the the unknowns. And it, if you track um, on Twitter some of the uh, in the know people, they they're saying that his interview his interviews are not going well and teams are leaving very unimpressed. Um, they, you know, there's talk that he's, he's more talk than actual physical ability. So uh, I, as, as a guy who's just kind of watching this all unfold, it, it feels like maybe a guy like Hendon hooker uh, from Tennessee jumps ahead of, of Will Levis in a lot of people's minds. It's happening in some of the, the top and some of the rankings across the board that you're seeing. And if that's the case, I could see him fall, but nobody's taking Hendon Hooker in the top 10, I don't think. So I would say you get three three quarterbacks in the top 10 this year. Well, Levis looks like he belongs in a bodybuilding competition. The the video, the, yeah. the pictures they put out. When was the last time you saw a quarterback that looked jacked? I'm talking ripped to shreds, actually yeah. do anything in the league. I can't yeah, think I mean, of one. I can't think of one. I, I mean, Brady me Quinn, and, yeah, but he didn't me, do anything. Me in high school, you know, that's a totally different story, I guess, because I didn't try out for the NFL. No, I'm kidding. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I would say there, there aren't many. <laughs> you can't yeah. really point to uh, maybe Andrew Luck. He was always known as as a guy just big. He wasn't like that. Here. He wasn't like the image you shared in our Slack channel. I'll put it that way. I don't know. I I don't recall um, searching for. Uh, I don't need it. Andrew yeah. Luck shirtless picture or anything <laughs> like that. Either, so. <laughs> I don't think Andrew Luck was putting those out from his flip. No, probably either. not. But anyways, Jeremy, what? Who is your prospect of the week? I'm going to go with uh, a defensive lineman out of South Carolina. He's he's talked about pretty regularly, but he kind of falls behind some of the guys that that you hear um, mention in as it regards the Steelers when you're talking about Keanu Benton and uh, Jervon Dexter from uh, from Florida. Um, it's Zach Pickens out of South Carolina that I would like to highlight. Six foot four, two hundred ninety one pounds. Um, 35 inch arms. He's, he's a long guy. He's got the ability to add weight as well. Um, he reminds me of a smaller Stefan to it. And just the way he attacks the game, he's just um, a full fledged motor all the time. And I think he's going to be a starter at, at the next level pretty quickly. He, he's going to settle in and he's going to push people around. He's got some pass rush ability um, he's strong. He's athletic. Um, he, he's got really good hands. I mean, he just knows how to, how to work offensive linemen. And I think he, he's got a chance to be a guy that, you know, you're seeing some of these other names, like I mentioned Benton and, and Dexter. And you're like, man, these guys haven't come off the board yet. Oh wait, Zach Pickens is off the board. What, what happened there? Uh, so he's a guy that I think could, could surprise some people and, and, and move forward, uh, or get selected earlier than some people think I'd look for if the Steelers want him, I'd look for him uh, probably around uh, pick 80 uh, round three. And uh, that would be a kind of a sweet spot for him, but I wouldn't be surprised if um, in a defensive tackle class where uh, there's some bigger guys in the middle portion of the draft, but not as many athletic dudes uh, that this guy uh, gets some, some interest across the league. 
You heard it here first, folks. If you, if you don't recognize the name, Jeremy just told you about him. So, all right, Jeremy, what do you got coming up on The Fix as well as on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com? Yeah, we got a couple more interviews on The Fix coming up this next week. Um, uh, I believe we're going to get both the starting wide receivers from uh, the Cincinnati Bearcats this last year, Trey Tucker and um, Tyler Scott. So that's going to be fun. And uh, on the editorial side, I am – uh, working up kind of a, a a comparison between Jordan Addison and um, uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba uh, at wide receiver and to explain why I think the Steelers should uh, really go for um, one of those guys over the others so be looking for that um, and uh, we'll have some odds and ends stuff uh, about the draft coming up which is uh, getting closer by the day. I think uh, in a month from now, we'll be talking about some new draft picks. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm excited. I'm excited. Jeremy, thank you very much for your time and we will talk next week. Sounds good, man. Have a good one. All right. See you. And a big thank you to Jeremy Jerome Betts as always for taking the time. Uh, he's a busy dude and he takes the time every Friday to talk about some Steelers, some NFL, in this case, the NFL draft. I appreciate all his, his takes and his insight in that regard. Let's finish this show up with a heart-to-heart like we do every Friday. I-, I saw someone on Twitter the other day. It was opening day in Major League Baseball, and it's eh, it's a big day. I, I understand. It's kind of like the official kickoff of spring, even though spring has already sprung. Uh, for me, that's always the Masters, by the way. When I see the Masters, when I get to watch all four days of the Masters, that's when I am personally like, ah, oh, it's here. Like Finally, it's here. The-, the warm weather, the spring, let's get out there. Let's hit the links. You know what I'm talking about. But still... Everyone was like, oh, this should be a national holiday. So here's my take on this. First and foremost, like national holidays, whatever. If they're going to give any day uh, like a national holiday, it should be the day after the Super Bowl. Now, I know there's people that say, oh, well, you know, once they do 18 games, regular season 18 game, it'll bump everything back and everyone will have President's Day off after the Super Bowl. Well, yeah, but until that happens... I want the day after the Super Bowl off or move the Super Bowl to a Saturday. Um, I just think that, you know, Major League Baseball, while it does have a lot of history in our country, while I still love baseball, I grew up playing it, uh, I I definitely just think that if you're going to give a day off for Major League Baseball opening day, mm, no, day off after the Super Bowl, people would be on board with that. So for me, while I love opening day, while I think it's something that we all should be kind of glued to and, and paying attention to, even if it's you're a Pirates fan like me and you know they, they win, they're 1-0, this might be the only time I really get to celebrate a winning <laughs> winning record is after the first game. It doesn't matter. Uh, it just doesn't move the needle as much as something like the Super Bowl. So if you're out there thinking, oh, national holiday, no, 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 not until the day after the Super Bowl. Do that first, then do opening day. So I had a little fun there. Okay, let's finish this up as we always do. Make sure you, well, I guess I should tell you that Monday, I'm going to have a Monday morning conversation. I'm really excited for this one. Thinking outside the box like I have been most of this off season. So make sure you tune in. Make sure you check out all of our work at Steel Curtain Network, not just my podcast, but all of our podcasts. And as we always finish out the show, be safe, be kind, and God bless. Have a great rest of your weekend. We'll see you on Monday. Peace.